Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Oh, Heavenly Father, open our eyes, open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts to hear, see, understand, and believe all that you have for us tonight. I pray that your spirit would carry your word to your people today to meet us, meet us where we're at, to call us forward to where you want us to go in our relationships. Align our hearts and actions with your will for our lives and empower us by your spirit to live it out. Amen? Amen. You guys can take your seats. How many of you are grateful to be in a house of transformation? I love our church. If you are new to Awakened Church, welcome. If you came here for a comfortable church experience just to confirm you in the place that you are currently at and you are not interested in growing, this is going to be an uncomfortable experience for you being in our church. You know, God promises in his word to fulfill every promise that he makes that he is going to see it through until the day of Christ's return, that he finishes what he starts until the day that Christ comes back, which is kind of a funny promise because it means that while we have breath in our lungs, while we are here in earth, on earth, that we are going to be progressing towards perfection, that God doesn't just poof, make us perfect, because if we were finished and didn't have any more room to grow, there'd be no reason for us to be here. We wouldn't actually need a relationship with him because we would be like him. And we're his sons and daughters if we've accepted a relationship with him, but we are going to be perfected the entire length of our lives. But God works quickly, and a lot of it is fine-tuning once he gets the big things out of the way. Amen? So, all right. So, I'm so grateful for our pastors, Pastor Jurgen Leanne, Pastor John, and Becky with the, tra the, the really transparent way that they live and they preach. That we have a saying that we don't, uh, don't tell the congregation to practice what we preach, but we're just going to preach what we practice. Yeah which makes it fresh, real, and powerful, which is the DNA of our house. So I'm hoping tonight that this, we are starting our relationship series tonight, Relationomics, and uh, it is going to be fun, it is going to be spicy. So how many of you uh, are willing to go on a journey with me? We're gonna cover a ton of scripture. There are going to be a lot of points, and I promise, that the end will be good. It may be a little bit uncomfortable during the process, but eventually we will get to a place which is good. Amen, you with me? All right, so uh, I'm Pastor Morgan. I'm one of the pastors here. My beautiful wife, Jenny, and I are leaders at our... Who loves my wife, Pastor Jenny? Can we just applaud her? 
I will tell you that aside from being my favorite human on the planet, I am so grateful the way that God brought us together. For those of you who don't know, we were introduced through a friend, a friend that knew me well and a friend that knew her well. I had tried to date the female version of me many times in relationships. <laughs> and how many of you know that trying to date yourself in another body is not the best way to go about things? Because you end up with the same strengths and you end up with the same deficiencies. And it's actually in our differences that we're made stronger. So it's, it, it was like divine guidance that our friend literally saw a vision of us together and said, gosh, I think I should in introduce these two people. So she called me and she called Jenny and we both agreed that uh, we would like to meet each other and we came here on our second date. And in the 10 years that we have been here, we have been challenged, we have been grown, but oh my gosh, Pastor Jenny had to deal with me in that period of growth. And then I had a lot from my past, but God had also matured me in a way that I was fit for a relationship when we met. And in the context of a relationship, God has grown both of us in beautiful ways. So there's, uh, I gotta tell you, I had a lot of wrong ideas about relationships. I did not grow up in church. I lost my faith in God and the miraculous when I lost my faith in that other hero of Christmas at about age five. I was exposed to porn at age six. I learned about relationships from movies, TV, and a lot from music uh, and from other kids at my junior high and high school that were just as jacked up as I was. I had expectations about how relationships should look, how they should make me feel, and what they should do for me. All my relationships looked the same. It was a build-up to conquest and then a downward spiral to it not working out. And, you know, the results were usually the same, and then I would blame the person's situation, sometimes myself, thinking next time I would have learned my lessons, I'm going to be able to apply that wisdom, and I'm going to make it different next time. Guess what? It was always more of the same. And I had no power to change my actions on my own strength. And I had a lot of ridiculous expectations. Uh, it, in Proverbs 10:28, it says, the hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. How many know that true hope is founded in God's word? That we hope, and the Bible says that hope is an anchor for our souls. But expectations are usually just like premeditated resentments. If I'm putting all of my hope in human beings who are imperfect and expecting them to be like God and expecting them to follow a script that most of the time I have not given to them and then resenting them for not following it, that is not wisdom. Those are expectations that will wreck your life and unrealistic expectations steal our joy and they steal our future. Amen? Amen? So I had expectations on others. On myself, I put faith in my feelings, bad move, expected my emotions to tell me the truth. I expected if it felt good, that it would be good. I expected because I was smart and capable in some areas that I'd be able to figure it out in relationships. Expectations absolutely destroyed my relationships and left me in delusion, unable to see the truth about what really happened and unable to learn from my past mistakes. 
It's pretty quiet in here. <laughs> I was pretty relationally broken when I got saved, but God started to heal all of these broken places when I started to get around good, healthy community. You know, if you want to be a good husband and a good father, don't get advice from single dudes. <laughs> Ladies, Ladies, same thing. You want to be a good wife and a good mother. Get some good wives and good mothers in your life. You are not going to find these people usually hanging out at places at night and like waxing poetic, pontificating about what it's supposed to be like in relationships. But you will find them in connect groups. You will find them in church. You will find them while you're serving in kids' church, getting to know parents. When you get around good, healthy people that have fruit in their lives, you can glean wisdom from them. Amen? Okay, so before I met Jenny, I was... Uh, I, I had done relationships very, very wrong. Some of you know my stories. I, uh, I had a pretty gnarly sex addiction. I had a lot of relationships with women. I had relationships with men. I was jacked up, but all of that was the outpouring of a broken heart. I had a lot of disappointment, a lot of brokenness in my relationship with my father, and I kept trying to close that loop in my relationships romantically that I thought that if I was accepted, if I was loved, that it meant that I was enough, but I kept going around it in, like on my own strength and without the wisdom of people speaking into my life. I had a lot of shame, so I hid those things, hoping that I could figure it out on my own and believing delusionally that one day when I did, everything would work out. But you know, sin is progressive. And when you're starting to go down a dark path and keeping it in the dark, you're not going to like suddenly, like it's not like shoots and ladders where you get on that ladder and you shoot up like 90 spaces. It's just that downward spiral that is not leading to life. Amen? Okay. So John 32 says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So you can, like the great prophet Ice Cube said in his letter to the church in South Central, chichigity, check yourself before you wreck yourself. So tonight my message is called Rexpectations because there are expectations that will wreck your relationship if you allow them to continue. Amen? Okay, so like I mentioned, I wrecked many relationships with expectations. I've seen friends, guys that I've mentored do the same thing. Today, I want to take you on this journey, uncover some common expectations, and then look what the Bible says about them and look for God's solution to them so you can get a little wisdom and not repeat some of the mistakes that I did. Uh, you know, my wife and I led a connect group for a long time. The 30s and 40s ministry was launched out of our connect group, and we succeeded in launching more healthy marriages than we did multiplying connect groups, which is not always the goal, but nevertheless, there were like seven or eight couples that got married out of our connect group. And there's a lot of people that come to, our, to us because they see fruit on our lives and ask us for relationship advice. So we've seen a lot of common patterns, and some of them are just ridiculous expectations. So some of these are going to be a little bit ouchy, but I promise, like I said, that in the end, it'll be good. So if you get uncomfortable, just bump your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about you. (laughs) 
just kidding. But I will promise to bring it around in the end, okay? Expectation one, you expect to marry a virgin. If you'll only marry a virgin or in any other way expect your spouse to be perfect, it may be because you don't actually believe that you've been fully forgiven. You think that you need to be perfect in order to be loved, so by the measure... Uh, you measure others by that same unrealistic yardstick. Let's see what the Bible says. Matthew 6.15, but if you do not forgive others their sin, your father will not forgive your sins. Matthew 6.15, again, for by the same way you judge others, you too will be judged. But Luke 7.47 says, he who is forgiven much, loves much. If you still see yourself as broken, by the same measure you'll judge others by the same measure you judge yourself, you'll end up judging others. And it becomes impossible to fully forgive others. And so you end up making these ridiculous expectations. What I would suggest is if you have that expectation, look in the mirror. Ask yourself if there's areas where you've been imperfect and men may be adjust. For some people, this is like a beautiful thing, and I think it's beautiful to purpose purity uh, in your life. It will save you from a lot of jacked up things that I will get to later. I am not saying that uh, not being a virgin is a prerequisite to marriage. I am not saying that at all. I had a, a youth pastor tell me once, and this, it just wrecked me. He said, you know what the most beautiful thing about my wife is? And I said, no, what? And he said, I don't have anybody else to compare her to. And I thought, wow, that is, and he wasn't trying to play the Holy Ghost. He was just sharing what, what that had done in his life. And it was beautiful. When I met Pastor Jenny, I had done a lot of, I had not lived a righteous life, but I told her that I wanted to purpose purity in our relationship before we got married so we could build real emotional intimacy before we had physical intimacy under a covering that had been best blessed by God. Yeah. And God blessed that. He multiplied the time. He deepened the intimacy between us. And our life as a result has borne a lot of really good fruit. You following me? Okay. Expectation, expectation number two. You expect you will change when you meet the one. It does not work that way. <laughs> If you believe you can change when you meet the one, you are deceived. If you don't change first, you'll end up sabotaging the relationship when you meet them. Here's what Jesus said. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. It did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, that house fell and great was its fall. Listen, guys, I had a porn addiction and I had some unrealistic expectations about physical intimacy. If you're expecting that your wife is going to be hot all the time, that she's going to come to bed fully made up with like airbrushed face and false eyelashes and her hair in an updo, first of all, that is very uncomfortable and the only women that come to bed that way are ones that are leaving afterwards. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> 
Again, if there's a struggle in that addiction, I found that I needed to like detox from that before I met my wife and check the expectations. Okay. Amen, amen. You with me? It's getting hot in here. Oh, all right. Expectation number three. You expect God to deliver your person on your schedule. This is how you expect God to deliver your person on your schedule. This is commonplace where people, this is a very common place where people try to manipulate God. And I've seen it in several friends that were like, I'm going to purpose purity until this point. But if God doesn't deliver me my person by this point, I'm going to figure it out on my own. And then you'll see. It does not work. You have, if you're expecting that to happen, you have a jacked up heart. God will need to fix your heart first. Absolutely, he values your purity and you should too because it will make your life better. But if you're doing it to manipulate God, you're like the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son. You don't get it. Your heart is jacked up and he's going to need to heal your heart first before you meet the one. Amen? Amen. Okay, well, Abraham and Sarai heard God audibly say that he was going to make Abram the father of nations. They heard God's voice with their ears. They'd seen God do amazing things, but their waiting for his promise had an expiration date. And when that expiration date came, they tried to figure it out on their own. And 4,000 years later... Like 4,000 years, like right now, while we're standing here, Israel is still paying that price. James 1.2 said, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Still with me? Okay, good, good, good. Expectation number four. You expect that you will be rejected for your past. I have believed this. (laughs) I believed that my past had completely disqualified me from ever being a husband or a father to having a healthy relationship, marriage, and kids. It would certainly have disqualified me in my mind from being a pastor. But nevertheless. (laughs) It says in Genesis that what the enemy intended for evil, God will use for good. I know many guys and gals that feel so unworthy that they decide to date outside the church. I know couples that have issues, that they're afraid of having their issues exposed, so they withdraw from community. Listen, dysfunction grows in the dark. It just causes the dysfunction to persist. It's not good for man to be alone. Come into godly community. Come into the light. And where there's light, there is life. I was there, I promise you, I get it, but you gotta know that my life didn't change when I was one foot in and one foot out. I had to let God have all of me and let myself be healed in community. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. 
healing comes in community. God has cornered the market on salvation. He gives us the ministry of healing and healing always happens in community. The other side of this performance-based orphan spirit fueled belief is the belief that everything needs to be perfect and complete before you ask her to marry you. Or for some of you, you believe that you need to be perfect before you get into a relationship. Listen, you can't be a mess on legs, but there are some things that you will only grow into. There are some ways that you will only mature in the context of a relationship. That God says that two become one in marriage, but it's really more of a process of becoming one. It's like two rough stones rolling together through the seasons of life, and as they bump up next to each other, there's sparks that fly sometimes, but as those sparks fly and they continue to roll, those rough parts get smoothed out, and eventually they're starting to roll together. And that's what marriage is. It's growth in the process of being married. You don't get perfect and then get married. It's like the first thing where it, it's, it just doesn't work. So amen? Amen. amen. Uh, Rexpectation numero cinco. You expect you will be understood when you're not being direct. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, you both have a part in this, but first part is, this one's for guys, primarily you. If you say to a girl, I'd like to hang out, she doesn't know what you mean. Does he wanna hang out? Does he wanna be like friends? I don't get it, I'm so confused. Be direct, let me give you a lesson. If you are romantically interested in a girl, you go to her and you say, I'm interested in getting to know you. I would like to take you out to dinner or I would like to take you out to lunch. And if she says back, wow, I would like that too. And then you say something like, great, how about Saturday at seven? And then she said, yes, that would be lovely. And then you follow it up by saying, this is very important, great, it's a date. <laughs> John 16, 29 says, Jesus' disciples finally said, finally, you are giving it to us straight in plain talk. No more figures of speech. Now we know that you know everything. It all comes together in you. You don't have to put up with our questions anymore. We are convinced that you came from God. Ladies, I'm not saying just because he was direct that he came from God. Be in community, exercise wisdom. There are plenty of guys that say that they are a Christian. That could mean that they grew up in Catholic church and have religious ideas about some things, but it doesn't necessarily mean that Jesus has their heart and that they are a new creation, okay? So wisdom, community, very important. Okay, guys, if you have jumped in too quick in the past, and then you slow roll your responses to this girl who have, you have just asked out texts. She could be very excited. 
She may want to text you several times. And if you have read receipts on, she will know that you have read her texts. <laughs> but if you then in turn say, oh my gosh, this is moving too fast, and then don't respond for three days, that is dishonoring. It is rude. It is not going to help you in relationships. I want to help you, so I want to tell you, communicate. There are things that are really important to say. If you say, gosh, you know, I've jumped into almost every relationship too quickly. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. If I take a little bit of time to respond, it's sometimes just me figuring things out, but I'll promise I'll at least heart your text. And then you do that, and she's not freaking out over here, thinking, gosh, I don't even know what to think. We get so many calls like this, it is so frustrating, you can save yourself. But ladies, you have a part in this as well. If a guy has the courage to be direct, you need to be direct too. The only ghost that should belong in your relationship is the Holy Ghost. If you are not interested in a guy, that's okay. There's a lot of guys that it takes courage. And in the, like, the days of Me Too and cancel culture, some guys are genuinely freaked out about being labeled as creepy. So they kind of beat around the bush, hoping that you'll give them some sort of sign that it's okay to proceed. But if a guy's actually like, followed this advice and asked you out on a date, and you think, mm, I don't know, I don't think that we're gonna be really good together, say to him, gosh, I'm so flattered, thank you so much, but I'm not interested. If you wanna be really kind and you have a friend that you think might be interested in this guy, say, I'm not personally interested, but I do have a friend that you, I think would be perfect for you, would you like me to introduce you to them? And then that's not only like not shutting them down, it's actually being considerate. It's direct, kind, it's helpful. Okay, yeah. expectation number six. So Expect that you can fake it till you make it. God is not looking to create a bunch of fake Christians. He doesn't like fake anything. And he's also not looking for you to just fall in line with your behavior. Changing your behavior is not going to change your heart. But having a real change of heart will change your behavior. Your external world is always a reflection of your internal world. When you let God into your heart, no matter what state it's in, God will heal and transform that heart. He says in Ezekiel 36, 26, a new heart I will also give you and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take away that stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. If you focus on your behavior, you will grow to hate God because you'll work so hard in vain to please a God that never seems pleased enough. You'll develop a religious spirit, you'll be tormented, and you'll develop some of the expectations that I talked about previously. I'm not saying that God doesn't want your behavior to change, but he wants your behavior to change out of a changed heart. Amen? Okay, don't worry. Only three more left to go. So expectation number seven, you expect that you can cut corners and still be blessed. Wait, I thought you just said that behavior didn't matter. I did not say that. I said that he's after your heart, not your behavior. He does want your behavior to change, but for that to be real, it has to come from a changed heart. You can't be in rebellion, running from him, and expect God to change your heart. You can't be doing a bunch of jacked up stuff and expect God to somehow bless it. Expecting to be healed from sickness while you are still doing the things that got you sick is not wisdom. Use wisdom. If you're struggling 
going up to that thing that you, going up uh, to things that you know are destroying your life, go to God. Don't try to overcome it on your own. I don't know who this is for today, but while I was preparing this message, I, I just remembered so many conversations that I've had and so many things that I saw in my own life that you are not going to overcome anxiety while still engaging in sexual immorality. I know this sounds like a weird tangent, but I'll pull it together, I promise. I just saw this in my life, that when I was engaged in all sorts of sexual immorality before I got saved, I would like try to be good. I didn't wanna do the stuff that I was doing, but there were times, especially late at night, where I didn't have like guardrails around my life, where I would fall into behavior and then I would always experience shame, but I would also always experience anxiety. And I had an anxiety disorder. I had no idea where it came from, but I would occasionally have panic attacks that seemed like they came out of nowhere. When I looked back at it, I realized that they always coincided with this behavior, that it wasn't good. And I've seen it in the lives of other guys that I have mentored. And I just wanted to say, uh, it came up to me again while I was preparing for this message. So if you're dealing with anxiety and you also have sexual immorality that you might be hiding in your life, the two could be related and you need to get prayer. Same, amen? Amen. Okay. Uh, James 1.8 says, let not a man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. There are things that, uh, that you, can, you can look at sin and you can look at sin and the Bible even says that sin is fun for a season, that you get something from it. In Hebrews 11, it talks about Moses and it says that Moses could have grown up as a prince, but he refused to be labeled as that. He didn't stay in the comfort of Egypt. Instead, he, he, he chose the discomfort of going out of Egypt, of leaving the Pharaoh, leaving the comfort of his life and, go, and going into the wilderness because he knew it would bring glory. There was discomfort in uh, between, but in the end, his life was glorious. There are many things that I could have chosen in my life that would not have lived, uh, led to the life I have today. I could have just believed the things that I believed about myself and then sought out comfort in things that were familiar, but it wouldn't have transformed my life. And I just think about my life today because I lead a life. You know, we created the recovery ministry here. We've seen literally thousands of lives change through that ministry. I have two beautiful kids that literally wouldn't exist if I hadn't first chosen the discomfort. You know, like you take lying, for instance. Lying will save you from things in the short term. It will save dis, like uncomfortable short-term conversations. But in the end, it erodes your ability to trust others. And if you lie all the time, you will become suspicious and unable to trust others. You always reap what you sow. God is not mocked in this. Same thing with, with sex before marriage. And I'm not trying to like play Holy Ghost in this. I'm just telling you wisdom from what I've seen that every single couple that has struggled with jealousy in their relationship that I've met had sex before marriage. If, you're, if you wanna sow into trust, even if you're in a relationship where you've already crossed that line, have a conversation with your significant other and say like, hey, I see a future with us, but I want God, I wanna do this right. Cause I've done it wrong every single time and it's always, it's always worked out badly. But I wanna do things right with you. Will you help me 
do this. When you have that conversation, most girls, guys, you need to lead in this. Most girls will be honored, especially if they're also trying to follow God. It'll be something that you're like, wow, you're willing to wait for me. Gosh, I can trust you. And then fast forward into marriage, gosh, he was willing to wait. I know I can trust him. I have no reason to be jealous. You save yourself a lot of headache later. Amen? Okay, expectation number eight. You expect you can figure it out on your own. Uh, Proverbs 19, 20, and 21 says, take good counsel and accept correction that the way to live wisely, it's the way to live wisely and well. We humans keep brainstorming options and plans, but God's purpose prevails. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but for us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I had no idea how to have relationships, and for a long time, I really believed the Bible was foolish. I believed what the world said about uh, the kind of ownership that it looked like in relationships, that that is such an old idea to believe that you're going to belong to one person, one and only forever, that that seems so confining, that we were meant to be free and all of that. And as I practiced that, I didn't get good results. But as I got saved and I started to trust God at his word, John Brevere uh, preached a message here the first uh, Thanksgiving that I was at this church. And he said that, you know, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But practicing the fear of God is just making a decision to trust God at his word and to follow it, whether it makes sense to my natural mind or not. That by faith, you see the glory of God in the land of the living. That things are accomplished by faith. It's not seeing is believing. It is believing so I can see. And I can tell you that you get around wise counsel. You get in a connect group with wise people that are living this way. You will see wisdom lived out in their lives. And in every testimony is the spirit of prophecy. If God did it for them, he will do it for you. You just have to trust. And the world doesn't understand love particularly well. Paul breaks down love, and I don't have time to do it here tonight, but I will tell you that in love, practice the way the Bible teaches to practice love with patience, with kindness. That God's patience is like his grace. His, uh, God's patience is like his mercy, but kindness is like his grace. And when you practice that, in love, even when the person is being unlovely, that you purposed in your heart to treat them the way that God treated you when you were being unlovely. When you purpose that in your heart, then you start to be able to operate with resurrection power in your life. But it's by dying to yourself that you step into the resurrection. And I know some of you are jacked up in relationships because you haven't let those old parts of you die. And you can't experience resurrection power if you're not willing to let your old life die. Which brings me to expectation number nine, that you expect that human love alone will be enough to satisfy you. God said in Genesis, beginning of the the Bible, beginning of the world, he said that it wasn't good for man to be alone. 
He said that to Adam. Adam had God. He had a perfect relationship with God, but God said that's not enough because he didn't have Eve. But just because God brought Adam Eve, he didn't intend for Adam to abandon God just because he found a wife. God designed relationships for him to be in the middle of. You know, if you just have two people, they're like a straight line. And if you push two points together, they'll eventually break. But if God's in the center of the relationship, it becomes like a triangle. And in geometry, a perfect triangle is the strongest shape in geometry. It can withstand so much pressure. Like I'm pressing as hard as I can and this thing is not collapsing. That's what it's like to have God in the center of your relationship. And if you're not satisfied in your current relationship right now, it may not be the other person. It may be because God's not at the center. My deepest wounds, like I said, were wounds of rejection from my father. And I carried those wounds into every relationship without realizing it. Every relationship I was in, I was trying to overcome that rejection, that hurt, but I was trying to do it on my own strength. The Bible says that God, that we love others because he first loved us that our lives are meant to be like a river. A river has a source and a river has all the tributaries that it flows out into. But when God's love is flowing through us, it can flow out into other places, into other relationships, into community, into a purposeful life. But it's only because we're connected to the source. That we don't just get to be conduits for that love, we get to fully experience it as it's flowing through us. If you have a river that's stopped up at the end, it just becomes like the Dead Sea. It doesn't support life, it doesn't give life, it tries to hug life, love to itself. It tries to hug that water to itself and it ends up destroying what, it was, what was meant to bring life through it. So if you've got two people that are both experiencing God's love and they come together, they form a perfect union with him at the center but that doesn't happen without him at the center. And I know tonight there's probably some of you that have never known God in that way. So in a moment, I wanna pray for you. And there's probably some of you that are, we're getting a little uncomfortable during some of the expectations. I'm, I didn't preach anything that I have not practiced in my own life and seen fruit from. I am not trying to preach at you. I'm just trying to encourage you because I've seen God take not just my life, which was very jacked up, and put it to a place where it's able to bring life to others, but I've seen him do the same consistently for every single other person, and I've seen beautiful marriages and beautiful families come and flourish out of lives where it would have seemed impossible, impossible to bring forth such good fruit. So can I get everybody to bow their head and close their eyes? Like I said, there's two categories that I want to pray for. If you've never experienced God's love in that way, you don't even know what it would be like. I want, I want in a moment for you to raise your hand and I'll, I'll join you in a prayer. Or maybe you uh, are like me and you've experienced doing things wrong and you just need to say, God, I'm sorry. I've done things wrong, I get it, I see my mistakes, I wanna come back to you, and God, I want you to bless me, I want you to empower me to do this right. So if you fall into either of those two categories, at the count of three, I just want you to raise up your hands so I can, I can pray for you tonight. 
One, two, three. Is there anybody like that in here? God bless you. 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 Way up the back. God bless you. 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 Down the front. God bless you. 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 Even if you're still kind of working on it, I want you, I want everybody under the sound of my voice to join me in this prayer while every head's still bowed and every eye is still closed. You can just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you so loved me. You sent Jesus Christ, your only son, on a rescue mission to save and restore my life. I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart. I thank you that your death on the cross has wiped away all my sin. Today I declare I am forgiven. I am clean. I am washed. I am brand new and born again. I declare heaven is my home and God is my father. I ask you today, search me expose the lies that I've believed, the expectations I've had, and bring me into healthy, loving community so I can grow healthy and strong in every relationship. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.